When I think about wealth, when I've always thought about wealth, when I just think of myself or my own earning capacity, I think of wealth in terms of earning. What can I earn in my job that creates wealth? Wealth is created by what? Wealth is created by more wealth. You can create <laughs> The best way to get more wealth is to start with wealth and make your money work for you. You work yes. for your money, but mm -hmm. once you're done working for that money and once you get that money, money should then work for you. Hello, my friend. Welcome. But before we dive in today, I want to offer you something. What if you could start every Monday morning with a quick but powerful thought experiment designed to make you a more authentic spellbinding communicator? And you would get that for free. And that is exactly what you get when you sign up for my weekly newsletter. Just head to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And as a bonus at the end of each month, I do a favorite things roundup of stuff I'm into. Books, articles, podcasts, retail therapy. Just head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe and I will see you there. Okay, on with the show. When I graduated from college, my grandmother gave me a very important piece of advice. She said, honey, get a government job. Maybe the DMV, something that has, you know, a pension. To the women in my lineage, the absolute most you could help for in this life from a financial standpoint was stability and predictability. You could hope for enough to retire and get by on. And I get it. Listen, safety was huge. My grandmother was an immigrant. She was a war bride. She had been through some stuff. Financial safety equaled survival in her mind. But even as a young Swiss miss getting out of college, that didn't sit well with me because I wanted wealth. And I got to tell you, I have never felt guilty for wanting wealth. The problem is women aren't exactly taught how to go about making true financial wealth happen. And we are not told how to grow wealth. But that is what we're talking about today. You are about to meet Clara Vaidyanath. Clara is the founder of the 32 Cents Club, which is a private markets investment platform designed by women for women. And if you're like, what? Private markets investment platform? Private markets? I know what public markets are. What do we mean by private markets? Oh, people, don't you worry. You're going to go to school just like I did when I met Clara. Clara is a two-time fintech COO who got progressively more angry over the course of her 15-year career in finance at seeing single-digit numbers of women in every investor list for every deal she helped transact and for every company she helped build. Clara began her career at J.P. Morgan way back in the day and did a stint on Wall Street with Credit Suisse San Francisco, where she worked on tech IPOs and M&A. She then joined Forge Global and scaled them from Series B, SPAC, 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 see, I need the education. Thank God Clara's here. Two financing rounds, two acquisitions, FINRA and SEC audits, etc. After taking a sabbatical, Clara joined Equi and took them from pre-product to Series A. Clara is a CFO charter holder, a CPA, went to the University of Chicago for undergrad and the Booth School of Business for her MBA. My sister is no joke, y'all. 
She also, in her spare time, flies small airplanes, scuba dives, sails, and skis. She loves traveling, cooking, and hosting, and runs several dinner parties in a dinner series in San Francisco for her friends and chosen family. So let's meet Clara, because she is about to school us on some stuff. But before we dive in, I got to do a little legalese, my peeps. The information discussed in this episode is intended for general information purposes only. It is not to be considered as investment advice or a recommendation to engage in any specific investment activities. Always consult qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions. Okay. Just got to make sure we're covered here. All right. Let's do this. Where I want to start this off is with the anger, right? In your bio, you kind of talk about the anger that you felt. What was behind that anger? Why? Why were you feeling that way? Because I had the immense privilege of growing up in a family where no one told me I couldn't be anything I wanted and learn about money and be in the space of finance. Mm -hmm. My dad was a banker, is now Mm -hmm. retired, but uh, was a banker, a CFO in private equity. And basically I learned accounting and finance when I was eight years old. How did that look? How did he (laughs) teach you accounting and finance at eight years old? By literally standing at the roof of our house in India, looking down and counting the number of people going into shops around us and estimating the economics of each shop and the revenues and their expenses and there's inventory and their stock portfolios. We just went in and we would play with numbers. And so as I grew up and as I entered my career, it was in my blood and I just all these rooms full of men. And that was, I never saw anything wrong with that about me being the only person there. But as I looked around, as I grew more experienced, as I grew in my career, I just kept seeing cap table after cap table, after transaction list of male investors investing in all these assets Mm. and literally no women, like none. And the women that were there were there because of tax purposes as the wife of someone else who was investing. Wow. I was like, why am I not seeing any of my peers Mm. building wealth Mm. in the way that they could be because Mm. they are badass. They are intelligent. They are extremely well-versed and somehow this world remained opaque. There's so many things in what you just said that I want to pause and unpack. And one of them is I am fascinated by our money stories, right? The stories that we were raised on, the stories that we tell ourselves in present day. And what I find so incredibly compelling about you, Clara, as a founder and as a teacher is that you are that rare type of human woman that was not raised on toxic money stories. Money was presented to you as a knowable quantity, a knowable problem to solve. I was raised reverse. Money was represented as unknowable. It was represented as something that was whimsical. Easy come, easy go. We don't know how to make it. We don't know how to keep it. Those were the messages that I was raised on. And it has taken me every single year of my adult life to undo those messages. So I just want to say on behalf of women everywhere, thank you for being angry and thank you for deciding to start 32 cents. 
And before we dive into the, to what really the platform is and what it means, why did you call it 32 cents? That is the gender wealth gap. The income gap is closing at 89 cents to a dollar right now. But the wealth gap, the amount of money that we have still stands at 32 cents to a dollar. We are 60 years behind on that metric. Wait, we're 32 cents and they're a dollar? Yes. I thought 32 cents was the size of the difference. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. Oh my God, my mind is melting. Well, Clara, actually, I want to press on that for a second because when I think about wealth, when I've always thought about wealth, when I just think of myself or my own earning capacity, I think of wealth in terms of earning. What can I earn in my job that creates wealth? But what you're building is something that's trying to open our thinking. Wealth is created by what? Wealth is created by more wealth. You can create <laughs> the best way to get more wealth is to start with wealth and make your money work for you. You work yes. for your money, but mm-hmm. once you're done working for that money, and once you get that money, money should then work for you. Yes. That's what I'm building. Yes. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about the platform itself. So I get like anybody listening to this, you will have heard of investment clubs and getting into the stock market and making sure you're in the right funds in your 401k. We're not talking about that. What are we talking about, Clara? Women, in my experience, hit a glass ceiling in finance. So we are taught how to save. That is lesson number one. And we've all saved We are taught how to buy a house. We are taught to get a wealth advisor. We are taught to save for our retirement. Women's retirement saving rates are higher than men's. Women are catching up with men on home ownership right now. But once we have those four things, retirement, savings account, a public market wealth advisor managed account, and a house or multiple houses, that's when we stop. It's really hard to go beyond that to the next level of creating that wealth, Mm -hmm. which is where a lot of men tend to dominate that landscape. So we're talking assets like hedge funds and private equity, venture capital, real estate funds, Mm -hmm. real assets like collectibles and wine Mm -hmm. and art, private Mm -hmm. credit, secondaries, all of these are the next level beyond where your wealth manager leaves off that is particularly inaccessible to women because it's work-driven, it's relationship-driven. If you went to the right frat in the right university, you'll know your buddy who began a hedge fund and then you get in that hedge fund that way. But if you are in those circles, it's really hard to get in. And that's exactly what I am fixing with 32 cents. So now here's the thing. When I hear venture capital investing, hedge funds, all of these different vehicles, the first thing that comes into my head is that's too much. I can't play it in those big boy games. What is the minimum requirement for what you're trying to do with 32 cents? We can build you a diversified portfolio with your full knowledge and with your full participation for $10,000 a year. As an entry point. As an entry point. So if you think about that as a listener, 
10,000 may sound like a lot. I don't think it actually sounds like a lot of money when you think about if you divide that by 12, what the monthly cost is. It's like a car payment. Imagine just taking that amount of money, putting it into these other vehicles. What are the returns like? Why would we do that? Why wouldn't we just put it into our retirement? Because at some level, right, the public equity markets have been doing really well for the past 20 years. But those days of just wild growth are a little bit behind us. Mm -hmm. When we think about making returns on our wealth, we want to think about making returns that are not volatile so that don't go up or down every year. Look at your account every year and say, oh my God, I'm down by 25%. Mm -hmm. In fact, these asset classes are designed to really ground your portfolio out. Think of investing as a balanced diet. Your meat and your vegetables are your public market investing. But if you don't have your carbs and if you don't have your fats and if you don't have your sugars and if you don't have your vitamins, which are all of your alternative assets, your body doesn't react well. Mm. And so if you look at the way rich, ultra rich individuals or family offices, the elite allocators of the world do their portfolio, it's 50 to 60% public and 40 to 50% alternative assets like these. Mm. That's what we're trying to mimic because that's what gives you sustainable growth rate in the teens every single year. Wow. This is one of those things where I feel like you are pulling the curtain back on something that's really, really only been visible to the select few. And my favorite thing that I've ever heard in my entire life, you said when I just was in Palm Springs with you, you said we were talking about hedge funds and things like that. And you mentioned that women get intimidated by hedge funds. Say that again. What do you say to women who are like, hedge funds are hard to understand. I can't. Yeah. I didn't actually address that question. Finance is easy. This is very, very knowable. If you could add and subtract, you can do most of finance. The concepts are simple. They're made to look complicated because that behooves people who do this for a living to make it seem, oh, it's so hard. You know, those are the really, really hard things. No, it's not. That's part of why I chose the investment club construct as opposed to just saying, let me manage your money for you because I want you to be involved with every investment decision that we make together, the more you learn, the more empowered you are. It is my goal. Of course, I would love to manage your assets, but it's my goal Mm -hmm. that you become good investors in every space. With me, amazing. Elsewhere, also amazing. I want to empower everyone to go out there and in a conversation and say, hey, Your buddy has a hedge fund. So tell me what the returns and the track records are. What's the volatility like? Mm -hmm. I want you to have that language to be able to play and anyone can have that. I have a transplant surgeon in my club, Bronwyn, and she told me when she joined, oh, hedge funds are hard. And I'm like, you put organs in bodies. (laughs) (laughs) Hedge are nothing. We consciously teach things in a very plain English manner. Mm -hmm. So that anyone can get up to speed and play. 
recently that point got driven home to me because when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, my husband and I immediately had this flashback of 2008 and we started to freak out and we're like, you know what? Now is the right time to go back and watch the big short. Remember that film about Mm -hmm. the whole collapse of, because it's what's happening now is very, very different from what happened then, but neither Sal nor I could remember what was the specifics around that. And what that movie does such a great job of doing is underscoring the fact that the guys, and I do mean guys, that constructed these garbage mortgage-backed securities were not super smart guys. No, absolutely not. They were not. They were ding-dongs. They were dudes. And I think it's so important if we're going to climb out of this gap where we're making 32 cents to their dollar to just acknowledge and start to metabolize that message that we can ask those difficult questions. I want to be that woman who in a circle of hedge fund people knows what questions to ask. Not because I'm showing off, but because I want to know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For each asset class, we go through exactly how to diligence it, how Mm -hmm. to ask what questions to ask, what Mm -hmm. documents to request. The one thing I always say is if you are investing, You have a right to speak to the asset manager managing your wealth. So for every investment, we have management calls. You have the rights to ask for that. Many people don't. But just knowing what your rights are as an LP can go a long way towards empowering you to make these decisions by yourself. That's amazing. That's amazing. So in a perfect world, if you could go back and fix the education system and you could fix the way we learn about wealth creation, what are some of the basics that you would have young people learn about this stuff? If you could wave a magic wand Mm -hmm. and have every girl under the age of 18 pass through your world, what would you have them know? I'm a planner, right? So in my grand 20-year plan, there's absolutely something like that, which is to be able to go to high schools and say, let's talk, not abstract finance. Let's not even college, right? I have people who have gone to business school and have degrees in business in undergrad who tell me all they learned about was abstract theories with no practical implications. So to me, We have to be very practical, very Mm hands-on. We learn by doing. Mm -hmm. That's why, again, I picked the investment club construct because we all make decisions together Mm -hmm. on live investments that the club invests in. So you learn by doing. So I would love to have an investment club in every high school, in every middle school where girls, especially girls, because they're the ones who get told, oh, this field is not for you. I would love them to be able to say, let's do a stock portfolio together. Let's do an alts portfolio together. That would be incredible because they would then learn that nothing is scary. Wow. Oh God, my inner child is jumping up and down because money has always been made out to be scary to me by all the women in my lineage. It was always Mm -hmm. scary. I remember so distinctly, I was dating this guy before I met my husband and he had had a spectacular exit out of a big company that he was in. And I was trying to figure out how to save for a house. And he was like, why are you saving for a house? Like you're going to find a partner and 
given where you roll and the spaces you're in, like you're going to be fine. And I remember thinking like, what? You would never say that to a man. Never, never. So even when you are like, as a woman, I move in very privileged spaces. I'm with people that are hedge fund people. I talk to people that are VCs and still I don't have the religion that I ought to around this. Well, it's also a question of finding your financial tribe. For men, if you get them into a room in two seconds, they'll be like the game, whatever game it is. And then it will be money. What are you investing in? Where you put it? Like, oh, I have a deal. I have a deal. We are not socialized as women to talk about money to that extent or any extent really as a group. And so again, what 32 Cents does is as a club, yeah. We invest together, finding a community of women that are all learning and all smart and all have specific fields and sectors and expertise that they bring into the conversation. Yeah. You find your financial tribe where yeah. you get to ask questions and you get to talk about money and your concerns and your traumas and your shame, and but also your triumphs and your experiences. Yes. And that can be so powerful as a mechanism. Well, what you're talking about too is once, you know, the power of a really good elevated tribe is that it can help you evolve your identity, how you see yourself. And women that come together, you know, the thing about women talking about money is not only are we not given access or encouragement to information about money, we are actively discouraged. We are told it is gauche and inappropriate to talk about money with each other, which is very convenient for the patriarchy. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy pants. But I think that when we can get together and really uncover this stuff and talk about it and own it and get clarity, it changes how we perceive ourselves. Yes. And it's so funny, right? Investment clubs used to be way more of a thing back in the 60s and 70s. So there were a lot of kind of grassroots investment clubs everywhere around that time investing in everything. And those clubs were for women and for men. They used to get together and do all these things. But then what happened in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s was a lot of fund managers realized that they could get much bigger, much faster by taking larger and larger checks from institutions versus going to retail investors and making them and doing going through all the effort of running a community, running a club, right. they could just get bigger much faster. And so clubs fell out of fashion for the longest time. They were always there, but they fell out of fashion. So I'm bringing back something from our history of community finance. Wow. To us at this point. Yeah. When I hear investment club too, I always think of individual stock purchases, which years and years and years ago, I used to run public relations for E-Trade, like on the agency side, way, 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 when they were brand new. Part of that education was understanding about technical trading and all of the individual stock. And I thought, this isn't for me because it's like Vegas, a single stock. You do not want to live and die by a single stock. It's a terrible investment strategy. But what I think your idea is so genius is that it's not an investment club of women going like, oh, are we buying eBay this week or are we getting into Facebook? That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about a diversified 
set of investment vehicles, right? Absolutely. In fact, I think having the word diversify tattooed on my wrist, actually. You should. I'm here for it. Diversification. Yes. I don't believe in investing in single anything. I really don't. Mm -hmm. Because risk needs to be spread. Diversification is a magical concept that we have learned and ingrained ourselves in public markets. But we have to also apply the same principles in private markets. So. We are a fund of funds. That means we invest in other funds. So we invest in hedge funds. We invest in venture capital funds. Mm. We invest in private equity funds. So we will never have exposure to one single asset in a single class ever. Angel investing to me is throwing darts at a blank wall and hoping one of them makes it through the wall. So I literally will always say a little bit of real estate and angel investing is not an alts portfolio. That's just you playing with some money. A real alts portfolio is if you diversifiedly invest in a diversified manner into all of these asset classes together to build yourself a fortress. Yes. Fortress of growth. What is the profile of wealth supposed to look like? You said 50 to 60% in public markets, and then you said 40-ish in these other assets. What's the split? Where does savings live in there? Where does cash live in there? Right. So that is a conversation that I have with everyone who joins the fund because your allocations are individualized to your circumstances. So at some level, right? Public market portfolios are basically liquid as cash. So effectively, what you want the profile to look like is people often say six months of expenses. I actually go further and say one year of expenses. Sitting Same. In- That's always been I, my vibe. Yep. One I year. prefer, especially for women, because we are conservative, looking at some cash is always very mentally buoying. So yes. I would say one year of cash kind of lives as a baseline. And then on top of that, you have your traditional retirement assets. So your 401ks, your 529s, your advantage, your tax advantage, other accounts like your IRAs, your SEP IRAs, your ROTs, whatever. Parking as much as you can in those accounts are super helpful because they do go tax-free. Mm-hmm. Balancing that out though, many people don't even know what's in their 401k. Like you can use your 401k to do many things. People often don't know that they can do that. Like you can, I did not know that. You can pick the portfolios that your 401k invests into. So having a look at the plans your employer offers, if it's through an employer and seeing what the assets are and, and making sure that your wealth manager knows what's in there so he can help better optimize what's in there. That's another thing that is very helpful. You can use your IRA to buy other assets tax-free as well. So there are things that you can do like that, which are very, very good. And then you've got your house, right? So real estate Mm -hmm. is still a good building block of wealth. It's the most amount of leverage retail people can ever get. Like the bank will give you five or six X times your annual salary to buy a house. That's the most amount of leverage you can ever get. So take it, right? Wow. So definitely get that. But all of this, a good wealth manager would help you do. Where I come in is to say, great, you've done all of these things, right? 
But then afterwards, that's when you say, okay, all of what I just talked about should be around 60 to 70% of your total portfolio. 30 to 20% should be in alternative assets. That's actually an updated guidance from where it used to be. Traditionally, the advice you'd get from wealth managers is 2 to 5% in alts. But that was in a world... And when you say alts, you mean alternative investment. Alternative investments, exactly. So the traditional guidance used to be, oh, alternative investments, if you're retail, are nothing. They're just 2 to 5% for you to play with. That was in a world where there were no instruments like 32 cents to access alternative assets at a good price point with a good liquidity profile. Mm -hmm. If all you are doing is angel investing, absolutely, that should be 2%. But if you can get into hedge funds and private equity and venture capital and real estate, as you get to be higher net worth, advisors will tell you, increase that alts allocation to 30 to 40 to 50%. That's what I'm bringing down to retail. Wow. Wow. My head is spinning because I'm thinking about, I love the idea of compound interest because it's true financially, but it's also true with just life. Yeah. The more privilege you have, the more privilege you get. And that piece of information that you just shared is only available to the privileged folks who have wealth management people minding their stuff. And mostly just the men get told that. Yes. So the women lack the privilege of access to the investment vehicles. We also lack the privilege of access to the information about what percentage this stuff could be. And what you're trying to do is do away with that. We get access to all this good stuff, even at such a low entry point is $10,000. And frankly, what I do with everyone when they come to me is to say, good, if you don't have a good wealth advisor, I will recommend you one, but you need one. I am not going to be your primary wealth advisor. What I will be is the place where your wealth advisor leaves off. Mm. I am what you graduate into once you've gotten your affairs in order. Having said that, if your portfolio is a million dollars, let's just say, Mm -hmm. in public markets, investing 10K a year is not going to make a dent in that. So we'll come up with an individualized three-year plan. Yeah. We say year one, year two, year three. Here's what the sizing should be in general. And here's how to get you there at a reasonable pace for your financial circumstances. It's individualized. Because it cannot be a blanket allocation recommendation. Mm, mm. God, that's so fascinating, Clara. Poor women shouldn't be excited about finance. One of the other things that we do in general, obviously, apart from just being at club, is we also have speaker series. We Mm. have events. We have happy hours. And for example, right, we were discussing the other day, well, Do we believe regional bank crisis is nearly over? If so, should we buy a portfolio of regional banks? Mm. Because here's the thing, right? We all knew, I'll take an example of where I actually messed up because I'm not all knowing, like we we definitely all make mistakes. But for example, I knew three years ago that SPACs, so you know, when all these companies went public through a SPAC, S-P-A-C, SPACs are 
a way to go public that's a lot more fancy than that the traditional IPO. A lot of startups did this in 21. They were very popular. 2022, they became less popular. But basically, companies went public before they were ready to go public. We all knew, all the insiders in the space knew that this was a bad idea. We saw these startups that were so young and so not ready. And they were all like, we don't care. We're going public. I saw that trend. I said, that's silly. But did I short SPACs? I didn't. My friends did. My guy friends did. Uh, Right? uh. So I, as a woman who isn't finance, who knows all of this stuff cold, who knows exactly how to go on any platform and trade options, I did not short SPACs because psychologically, this is before I began to do sense, psychologically, I wasn't used to actioning my insights. And there's one lesson I can give. If you have an instinct, think about how to action it monetarily, financially. We go through that. But that's an opportunity which, of all people, I should have taken. Wow. Wow. And that's, God, that's a great story. I mean, that is a really fascinating. There's a couple of things I'm hearing in that story. Number one, I'm hearing that even for somebody that was groomed from a young age to know that she can participate, she can understand, she can play ball. Even for you taking action on your instinct was challenging. And why, Claire, if you had to articulate why you didn't listen to your instinct, what would you say? I would say that fundamentally, I didn't know or find anyone else who looked like me that did that. That's the key, right? Why are role models so important? Why do they keep hammering the drum of we need more women CEOs? We need more women role models. We need more women you know, leaders modeling to our young people that, hey, someone who looks just like me, the color of my skin, my identity can do something amazing. I have been surrounded by Ben my entire life. And so I never saw anyone who looked like me doing things like this. And so I found myself hesitating and that can happen even to me. So imagine how powerful those forces are with the people who aren't as ingrained as I am in the space. Mm, mm. That's just to say, we need a financial tribe, all of us. I mean, I did, and now I would totally short them. I just didn't back in the day. Yeah, and that you didn't have the community. Another impetus for starting this company. Amazing. So when you think about women as investors versus men as investors, how are we different? I think to argue that we're not is naive. Our skin is gendered. Our clothes are gendered. Our furniture is gendered. Why are we not gendering finance? Because it is gendered. Yes. And so to me, that's not a knock. That's okay and natural. I think we, as women, and speaking from my experience and from my friends and from my club members, we invest with way more caution mm-hmm. and with way more knowledge than men do. Men will completely invest out of FOMO and, oh, my buddy said so. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. FOMO doesn't work on us. And so we have to know every little thing about the investment, about the asset class. We'll have questions. We need to dig deep. And that's part of why I think the financial ecosystem isn't designed for us because you either have really simple, condescendingly simple 
material or you have material written by lawyers for lawyers right not helpful to anybody so we don't have the information to often dig into the point where we become comfortable right we also make decisions socially a lot better and a lot faster than we do individually again that's a difference that's okay that's a strength committees are smarter than any one of us put together mm. we also have by the virtue of the gender gap by the virtue of bias we've worked harder for our money so we have a scarcity mindset that's okay so we would rather dip our toe in cautiously to a new instrument and then re up and re up more frequently than give you the entire 100k allocation up front that's another design feature that we've incorporated into the sense that it's a low minimum so you can reinvest when you're comfortable but your yeah. upfront ask is not like oh my god i've got a part with 100k of 100k hard earned money yeah i have yeah. worked twice as hard for so just to bring this home then clara if there was one thing you want women listening to this right now to get what is it it's to trust your instincts finance is easy you can make progress and find a way to start building your financial wealth and your financial tribe beyond trusting a wealth manager you've got this we all are smart and capable and brilliant and being as far along as we are in our respective fields this is very easy i just want everyone to know that this is very easy you should do this what you don't see is a literal metric ton of work that goes into structuring the elegant thing i laid out in front of you i've been wrangling with lawyers now for months like i've been doing a lot of really complicated legal compliance regulatory analysis yes. underneath this to actually make this work yeah so part of why people don't do it is because it's a pain in the ass as a fund manager they want to just take your money and do their thing and just manage it by themselves and that's easy i'm saying i'm going on down the harder path of involving everyone making all those voices come together orchestrating all those conversations leading all those discussions and still being a fund manager so i'm taking on like the next more work and that's why people haven't done it that's the real reason <laughs> like it was like it's a lot the elegance of the vision is fantastic but underneath it is like a ton of work that I, that, well, that actually makes so much sense to me it really does it really <laughs> and actually hearing that feels there's something incredibly reassuring about that because part of when you hear something like this you're like god this is too good to be true but right. when i hear that i'm like <laughs> no this is real because there's also this halo effect in a negative sense of like the bernie madoff thing yes i know people that lost their ass in that because they were just getting that 15 what was it 15 or 20% return consistently give me a freaking break how did nobody question that but anyway I didn't have that kind of money so I shouldn't talk shit. But anyway, my point is that I think we've all gotten a little bit wiser and we ask that question this seems too good to be true. And so when you talk about that, it makes me trust the platform that much more. 
I have spent 15 years as an allocator, as an operator, as a COO. I owned legal, compliance, finance, regulatory, people, marketing, sales. I've owned every function in a fund. So I know how to make all of that work. But the reason you don't see clubs is because it's a lot of work. (laughs) Wow. But to me, it's the only way to get women to participate. Without the structure, they're not going to do it. And you know why I know that? Because there are 200 products out there right now, all democratizing alternative assets to retail investors. And not one of them has more than 5% women investors. Not a one. Because everyone's taken the model of, oh, give me your money. Let me manage it. I have a platform. I have a tech company. I'm going to throw some Facebook ads out. Guess who that gets? All men. Unless we do this, women are not participating. And they're not going to. Either. And that exponential wealth growth is not going to be there for no. us. Yeah. Because nothing is designed for us. Yeah. We don't demand that or we're past the days of demanding that women wear men's trousers. That was in the 20s when they began to make trousers for women. We stopped doing that. So why are we still demanding that women invest in men's funds? They're designed differently. I love it. And I love the idea that we are social decision makers, that we are more cautious and that you've created this powerful community. I just think it's awesome. And I'm so excited for you, Claire. I think the best is yet to come. Thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation and I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. God, I love her. Okay, listen, that was a lot of information, but it's some information we need to have, my people. And if you're like, what the hell? I don't have an extra $10,000 laying around to invest in private markets. That's all right. Build your wealth. Follow the steps that she talked about. Cover your bases. But you will get to a point where you have $10,000 laying around. Well, you might have to save for it, but whatever. Get that money eventually set aside to grow your wealth, right? You don't have to do it with Clara. This isn't like some big hype fest, but have it as a vision. See yourself as a wealth creator and a wealth grower, Okay, that's what I want for us. You want to find out more about 32 Cents? Head over to 32cents.com and check it out. It's got great resources and you'll learn more about it there. Clara can, of course, be found on LinkedIn. Just type in Clara 32 Cents or Clara Vaidyanath. Hey, if you haven't already, hit subscribe so you can get my latest podcast episodes delivered hot off the press or share this with someone who could use it. If you're looking to go further on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe and get on that newsletter. You get fresh tips every Monday morning to set you up for the week. And on the last Saturday of the month, you'll get a short email with my favorite things that I'm into. If you're dealing with a tough client or work situation, you need better skills for managing hard conversations, check out my No Enemy Conversation course. It's at noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com and it is self-paced and it is all there for you. Lastly, if your company or organization needs a high voltage keynote speaker who knows how to melt faces and blow minds virtually or in real life, I am your gal. I have two dozen different fantastic keynote topics and you and I, we can make something killer happen. So shoot me a note and let's do it. 
That's Bronwyn at BronwynCommunications.com. Take care and shine on. We need your light.